Hello, folks, and thanks for tuning in to the A Champion's Mind podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I have some exciting news to share with you guys. On this podcast and maybe some other places, you guys have heard about this company called Topical Edge and a product they make called PR Lotion. Just to give you the short and skinny on it here, I use it extensively. Basically, what it does is it buffers lactic acid to allow you to exercise at a higher intensity And then obviously, since you've produced less lactic acid, it also allows you to recover faster so that you can get ready for your next session more quickly and go at it with a little bit more oomph. Now, the news is this. As of October the 1st, Topical Edge is no more. But that's only because the company has changed names from Topical Edge to Amp HP. The PR lotion is still around. The PR lotion still works as well as it did before. So if you want to try this stuff out because you've heard me talk about it so much or because you've heard of others and kind of how it's helped them out, jump onto amphumanperformance.com and type in the promo code UTMOSTPERFORMANCE to get 25% off of your first order. You guys can thank me later. Without further ado, here goes today's podcast episode. Thanks for tuning in to the A Champion's Mind podcast. I'm here with guest today, Tyler Locke. Tyler, thanks for giving us some of your time and being on the podcast. Well, thank you. How are you doing? Good, good, man. Uh, could we just start off? Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to uh, to the audience here and let them know who you are and what you do. All right. Well, you, uh, like you said, my name is Tyler Locke. I ride for Support Clean Sport, Guten Plan Coaching. Uh, I mainly do criteriums and circuits. I just finished up the USA Crits uh, second team overall with fifth place and uh, just closing out the season with a few more races. Yeah, and uh, you guys had the overall, you, you had the guy that on your team won the whole thing, right? Won the overall series. Yes, my good friend and teammate David Gutenplan took the overall. Uh, I think after the fourth or fifth race after Harlem, we got first and we held it all the way to the end. Yeah, man, I, I don't want let, to, let's just, di- let's dive into it. Like, what? Um, so can you explain to people like what the USA crit series is? Some people may not understand that, um, like tell them kind of the structure of it and kind of how it works. So the USA crits is a series of 10 to 11 events throughout the United States throughout the year. Uh, sometimes at night, sometimes in the afternoon, but the main focus is to have the viewer be able to watch the race from a, from afar and and enjoy it even though they cannot be there live so there's a feed and you pay for the membership and you register under the team that you support and from there you get to watch every single race and as as the racers actually feel more amped up to do better racing because we know we're being watched the entire time yeah and where does this talk to people you guys are all over the place right i mean it's not like they take place in one specific area like you guys are all over the country bouncing around correct yeah one weekend we could be east coast the next weekend we could be west coast um midwest uh we were colorado for a little bit idaho uh just all over the place depending on the venue uh mix of weather as well you never know what you're gonna get uh the nighttime races always add for excitement so it's just a, a great series, and it's great for the fans to be able to watch us as the racers uh, produce results throughout the season. Yeah, and take us, if you could explain, I guess, as, as succinctly as possible, what is what is a criterium? So you guys are on bicycles. We'll just throw that out there. You know, we're, we're racing bikes, right? But, like, pedal bikes. But, like, what 
if you had to explain a criterion, how would you do it as quickly as you could? In layman's terms, it's a NASCAR race on bicycles. So we're in a short circuit, usually a mile long, uh, for a time limit, uh, somewhere between an hour and 90 minutes. And uh, in that time, we cover about uh, 35 to 45 miles uh, at the end. Uh, towards probably the last 15 minutes, they'll start to do a lap counter. And from that point forward, you pretty much are are all out to the finish line and trying to get uh, the best position possible for the in sprint. Or if you're in a breakaway, which occurs a lot also, uh, you want to conserve and be uh, the best rider across the line. Yeah, let, we'll, we'll come back to the actual like nuts and bolts of the actual within the race in a second here. But um, can you tell us a little bit about... So you guys are bouncing around, you're all over the place, the weather, you know, can can change obviously from where you are in location. You guys are doing all this racing. You guys are having to pack stuff up, move it, take it somewhere else. You're you're living, you know, out of suitcases or hotels or whatever. I mean, how much of and you guys were highly successful, right? You guys had the first guy overall. You you personally were fifth place overall. As a team, you guys were second overall. I mean, how much of being successful in the USA Crit Series is about not just the the 60, 75 minutes of racing, but all the outside stuff too, like in terms of like life within this, you know, block of time where you guys are doing these events. Yes, uh, on, on, on the road and off the road are two different things. So coming into these events, you got to have your bike ready. Uh, sometimes it's a close call where your bike not, might not be there. Uh, mechanical issues, sometimes we crash, so we need to get new parts. There are other outside stresses that, that definitely affect the racing. So when we get to a, a venue, we try to clear our minds as much as possible, but at the same time, we deal with a lot of stuff that is not common per se, like you know grocery runs or not having a car or your, you know, your stuff isn't organized in time. So being there, getting to the race start on time and finishing the race is probably the main priority. And beyond that, it's all luck. (laughs) So (laughs) how do you how do you um, find the way to? Yeah, because like a criterium is is pretty much like, you know, like you said, NASCAR on on bikes. Right. So it's a very aggressive style. There's no real hesitation. It's just full gas. But but then you've got to be able to kind of, like you said, clear your minds. And that sounds to me like a more relaxed, like a more kind of not full gas mentality. So how do you find, like, what is it that you personally do or some of the uh, best practices you put into place to to kind of ease off the pedal when you're not racing? Yeah, I find uh, music and my art as uh, venues to uh as outlets to to let out some of that alternative aggression per se or the 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 junk in your head that you don't want there when you're racing so there there's there's ways that you do have outlets for your stresses uh pre-race and after race that that help out a lot but i find music and art as my uh, outlets cool Uh, yeah so pre pre uh you you mentioned pre-race so you know, you're getting ready to go in there and just, you know, have at it with 120 other dudes, you know, going into corners at 35 miles an hour and doing all that stuff. So you personally, like your pre-race thing, is it more of a 
tone it down or dial it up kind of a pre-race type of uh, focus? Or do you ramp it up as you get closer to the event? Or, uh, you know, what, what what is it that works for you? Yeah, uh, basically calm like a bomb. You, you want to be stable and, and not amped up too close to the start time because uh, that's waste of energy. You know, no uh, accidental uh, adrenaline rushes or anything like that. You want you want to save it all for the race. So as as you get closer to the start time, uh, you want to add more things to 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 get you amped up. Like music is one of them or or um, just, you know, talking to one of your friends, talking about like previous races, maybe uh, race results. Uh, people talk to you before the race and they're like, oh, how you feeling and stuff. And, you know, you want to keep a cool head and not like let your let your uh, your ego get in the way, per se. And and let all your cards be shown. Um, yeah. So you want you want to keep it calm up until about 15 minutes before, and then you take your caffeine gel and and you want to get into like the the, the cage basically. Uh, you know these are your friends, but you also have to go all out against them. And you want the best wheel position. You want the draft. You want the breakaway. So you gotta you gotta you gotta save it all and conserve just up until that point where you have to race. Yeah. Calm like calm like a bomb, right? And then at some yeah. point, you know, the bo- the bomb goes off, right? So now yeah. take a, take us inside the take us inside the event, right? Take us inside the cage, like you said. And I mean, is it difficult when you're racing and you're you're going so hard, right? Like you're you're putting forth maximum effort. You know, you guys are sprinting at a at a corner sometimes. You know, you're doing that thing. I mean, if it's nighttime, you know, you've got the depth perception with the shadows and stuff and the music and uh, or, or if it's hot, you know, if you guys are racing in the afternoon here in some of your summer events, I know that it got pretty warm where you guys were at. Like, how do you um, is it difficult to do the thing where you've got to be able to think clearly during your event as well? Right. Because you can make some decisions that maybe aren't good decisions for you and or your team. So how do you kind of balance that out? Because now you, like you said, you've taken a caffeine gel, right? So like you're, you know, you're you're wired, man. You're ready to go. Um, so how do you find uh your decision making process? Like how do you tap into that to try and make the best decision possible? Uh, sometimes I I like to try to have a voice in my head telling me to to slow down or to speed up or to be more aggressive, less aggressive. Uh, there's been a few times where I've got too amped before the beginning of the race and went in there all bullets firing and had to take probably three quarters of the race to recover just to get ready for the finish. So, uh, yeah, sometimes you got to tell yourself in your head, Hey, back off, you know, you can wait later and and have a better result or a better, you know, if there's a premium on the line, which are money prizes throughout the race, uh, you can get a great premium and then not finish or, you can back off from that premium and have a great result. So you have to choose uh, where to lay down your power. Also, uh, there's dynamics in the race where sometimes the course is not laid out for your for you personally. So you just got to hang in there and, and conserve as much as possible. And uh, you're not in thinking really. You're just following wheels and trying to get the best draft. Yeah. Well, and if you can, Tyler, speak to us a little bit about this. Ready? Uh, you know, I'm I'm on here on a a website that. You know, stocked you a little bit before we hopped on here. Uh, 2014, 35 races. 2015, 33 races. 2016, 47. 
Last year, you had 45 races. This year, you set a new PR, I guess. You you had 49 races. And again, I don't even know if everything's in here, right? Um, so how much of it is also, I've heard that Criterium Racing, there's an art to it, right? It, it's not just like, hey, just go over there and keep punching the wall. You know, I mean, there's this, there, there's an there's an understanding of the ebb and flow of Criterium Racing, and there's kind of a way to do it that allows you to, where now that where you're at here, obviously, you know, fifth overall, you, you were pretty successful this year. Like, do you feel that you're walking into that and be and, and just kind of continuing to refine the craft of Criterium Racing and understanding that a little bit better so that you're using your energy efficiently and you're racing more intelligently? Yes, exactly. I, I come into these races with, like, what is the course like? Are who are the people racing around me? It's not necessarily like, yeah, let's go win, because sometimes that's not in the books and you have to race for your teammate or there there's other things that play for you. But the, the, the intelligence of a race uh, is a bigger factor for me these days than just coming in brute force. Uh, I prefer knowing and, and having a greater knowledge of the race. So coming into this next year, I will have done all the courses because this year I was doing a lot of them for the first time. And uh, it was, you know, first few laps. Sometimes you don't get to preview the course. So you're on there just figuring out what's going on. And as you learn more, you're able to get better at it and know what parts of the course relax, what parts of the course you can really go harder at. And all of it adds up to, to a better racing. So I feel fifth this year was earned through smarts and other days, uh, were you had to be stronger. Yes. It, you know, you used your legs, but you also had to use your brain a lot more. Yeah, and man, criteria. So again, I'm not I'm not gonna go through all of them, but just doing a quick just look down uh, of your results. I mean, there there are some that are like, man, awesome, and there there are some that you're just kind of like, eh, you know, not wow, that that wasn't that great, right? And it's nothing yeah. against you. I mean, for those people that understand bicycle racing, I mean, this is part of what happens, right? I mean, it's sure. I, I mean, I can look at I'm, I'm looking at a website that has a number next to your name in relation to where you placed, you know, in, in terms of the rest of the field, but that doesn't tell the whole story. Right. I mean, there's probably yeah. races where you've been really like you literally were like, you know, 20 meters away from making the breakaway that won the race. And then you, you, that's it. It was over and you ended up finishing 50th. And then there were those times where you just kind of sniffed it out and you got it right. And, you know, you landed on the podium and it wasn't, it was more maybe other people. So can you talk a little bit about the, the volatility in like criterium racing and how, yeah, like you said, sometimes it's not in the cards. Sometimes it is. I mean, you just kind of got to go out there and just kind of put your best effort out there and see what happens. Right. Yep. Uh, so the, the racing this year also determined uh, your result when, when certain teams would show up, if you had full uh, UCI pro squads of six guys, you had to race with them or, or follow their plan. It's not like you could lay down your own plan and expect it to work because you have six other guys that are just as good as you that could work together and send a different guy to oppose you. So a lot of these races you come in and, uh, you, you have to come up with a strategy, uh, to your own, but also keep in mind that there's bigger fish out there that you had to follow. Yeah. 
Um, one of the guys that I was going to mention as you were talking about, um, you were talking about learning the course and kind of learning where to put forth more energy, learning where you can conserve. Um, you know, he's been in the news a lot because he, quite frankly, he owned nationals this year. Uh, so Justin Williams, there was just an article on him in a magazine. And one of the things that stuck out to me that I sent out to my athletes was the fact that he mentions in that article that he walks on his feet. He walks the courses, he walks the entire circuit and he's just, he's studying, right? He's walking it and he's looking at it and he's. He's looking at the pavement. He's looking at the lines. He's looking at, I mean, he's just computing all of this information. Um, and so a guy that really takes his craft seriously, obviously he's done very well with that. Um, you have similar approach and obviously you're doing well with that. You both are out in California and I know that you race him a lot. I also know that you race against his brother, Corey, and just the, the criterion racing scene in California is really good in general. I mean, how, how much of that do you just like, how much knowledge and wisdom and, and bike practice, like, have you gotten just from being out there where you're at, where you're just surrounded by such good racing and racers? Yeah. The, the first part of the season is pretty much like practice time and refine your craft before the big racing starts, because we have the weather that allows us to do criteriums starting January, mid, beginning of January. So I come out there, you got Corey, you got Justin, Justin, you got their teammates, and you, you kind of see how strong they are, but also how good they work as a, as a team. So I come out there solo, and Justin as well, and we just pretty much have to ride uh, the, the other racers, uh, watch what they're doing, see who has the strongest legs of the day, and then uh, set forth a, a, a race of our own after they pretty much fired all their bullets so it's it's more of an attrition for us in the local scene and we like to play around but at the end of the in the last three laps those boys are super hard to, to play around with they 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 are professional when it comes down to the criterion last three laps it is yeah. it is full on even if we're in a local 15-man race it is still down to the you know to the line yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But I know they're. I know that you know they mention it frequently. I mean, you're one of the guys that they watch. You know, you're one of the guys that they uh, that they fear and uh, and revere. So that that says something about you as well. Um, let's rewind the clock now. How'd you get, man? How'd you get started? Like you're you're a professional Criterium racer now, right? But like, how did you? What was? Where did your journey begin? And how how'd you get here? Uh, in high school, a friend uh, had me buy a mountain bike, and we went and raced it and did pretty well. And then I uh, went off to university, and, and towards the end of that, I was working as a bike mechanic. And uh, from there, a manager just said, hey, why don't you try this road racing? Well, by the end of that season, I was in a UCI race in New Zealand. And after that, you know, <laughs> all it was all road after that. So Yeah. Was it uh, like – they offered, you know, they offered the first kind of push and then you got close to the ledge and you just literally jumped off. Cause that sounds like, man, that sounds like in one year you went from like, I'm just working at this bike shop, just kind of hanging out and I'm, and I'm riding the bike hard and I'm racing a little bit. But I mean, yeah, you mentioned that the la last part of that statement, a UCI race in New Zealand, which is like a big, yeah, deal, I went, right? I five to, to UCI in one season. And it was like, you start off seeing guys like Bahati on rock racing go all out. And then at the end of the year, you're in the same race it's for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So you, you jump out UCI race in New Zealand. I mean, um, 
at, at what point did you did you want this thing to be your thing like at what point were you like caught up in hey man i want to be a professional bike racer which you now are right at what point did that start becoming kind of you molding your life around that particular aim uh, i think after i had finished that race and and you know i actually finished it and got two top 20s that i was like okay this is more me than anything else has been um you know normal people don't go and race and do that from you know it's i i learned quickly that it's very very unique and i liked it a lot and uh it's a very special sport uh i've been in many other sports and this one i i find to be the 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 best the best outlet the best for your body everything about it is is amazing so after new zealand i chose this to be my lifestyle for sure yeah and so on that journey like we're in 2018 now obviously that goal has been actualized and realized uh and the journey like has it been a pretty straight trajectory? Has it been up and down? I mean, what's been the kind of the ebb and flow of your evolution to get to where you are now? For sure, up and down. It's it's uh, it was it's been a wild ride for sure. But the last four years since 2014 have been like more my concrete uh, full seasons, not, no uh, no taking breaks, uh, full commitment. So this is what I do now. Criteria. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so with that, with the up and the down, I mean, it's, there's a lot of picking yourself up off the canvas, right? And I know we alluded to that a little bit earlier, but I mean, there's probably a lot of moments where, you know, you have a race weekend, doesn't go the way that you've wanted it to. The race ends on Sunday. You may have an easy spin or a day off on Monday. Maybe not even, maybe you're just right back to, I mean, you got to go and get get a workout in or get a long ride in. But generally, let's say you have a you know an off day or easy spin on Monday, but then Tuesday it's back to work. I mean, you've got to pick yourself up to be able to get back on it, don't you? Yeah, and and uh, so so coming back after a hard block of racing is probably one of the hardest things to do because your body just wants to sit there and rest, and you know you have to go improve upon yourself, improve upon what you tore down, and and build it back up again. So I would say, yeah, the the, the days coming back from racing are the hardest. You you uh, have to recover sometimes from crashing as well, so it's not ex exactly the, the the easiest of of things to do. But uh, I find myself uh, mentally motiv being motivated by watching the big the big races like you know Tour de France, Giro d'Italia, the Volta Espana, and those guys uh, motivate me to get back on and and train even harder because of what they're doing is is even more impressive. So. Yeah, yeah, man. Maybe we should uh, maybe we should talk some bike racing, man. Speaking of which, the Vuelta's going on right now, and I don't know that there's a clear favorite to it yet. But anyhow, um, that's another topic for another day. But so let me ask you this: is an interesting question that I kind of th frequently think about here. Um, what's harder to come back from, or what's harder to kind of get through? Like a string of your your training, right, and your racing, but your your results aren't what you know that they could be, right? You're just kind of like, man, I, I'm missing something, you know, something's not going right. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's it's more not your fault, but still, you still take take those things personally because you're a competitor. Um, or or is it more difficult to actually like do the whole coming back from a crash thing where you're laid up for a while? I don't know if you've had any injuries where you've had to be off the bike for you know two three weeks a month maybe even longer which one's harder 
because uh, on one of them you're totally immobile, right? But you know you've got to get back, and you know you're going to start from scratch, and you're going to have to build the house again. But on the other side, you know, if you're training and you're and you're racing, but it's not what you want it to be, you start getting super frustrated because you're like, man, I'm, I'm putting in the work. Like, what's going on? Which one would you say, or are they equal? I don't know. Uh, the the coming back from injury is physically harder. Mentally harder is a block of, of blah results. Uh, I beat myself up pretty bad if I'm in these races and I'm not a, I'm just a participant and not, not an actual, uh, a threat or anything to it. Uh, those ones eat at me more so than anything, uh, because I know I'm not up to where I should be, but crashing, I feel like it's almost a reset button sometimes. Um, if the, if the crash is, is like uh, something that you pushed yourself too far and you crashed, or is it something that was not related and someone else crashed you out? So there's two different types of crashing. But uh, when you get laid out, uh, I got laid out and broke my back in 2012 and had to come back from that. So uh, as long as it's not something too crazy, I feel like physically it's, it's only the physical barrier, not the, the mental barrier, because I've done it quite a few times at this point yeah cool let's end with uh let's end with three questions here the first question what's your what's your favorite part about what you get to do now for a living as a professional bike racer like what's your favorite part of that oh the traveling meeting the people that are in this and seeing the the youth come through and being able to pass on what i know onto them because it, it it's it's a complete different world uh, we're racing in. Everyone's clean and just full of talent, and I love to see it grow more and more. But uh, seeing the people around the sport as well, the the hosts, the, the families that that provide their housing for us and involve their lives when when they have nothing to do with it, um, and also the the fans, the the people that come out to the races, it's it's all for them and. These days, you know, we we I could stay local, but I choose to travel and everything because of these people and and the environment. Yeah, cool, man. Good deal. That sounds uh that sounds like a yeah, it sounds like a sweet gig. Um what about the other side though? What about like your least favorite thing, right? Because and here's a and and just to, to before you answer the question, the reason why I'm asking this is not to be negative. I just I, I want anybody listening to the podcast like you are a professional cyclist and Dude, that, that's great. I mean, you had a dream and a vision to do this, and, and you're doing it, right? But I think a lot of people get confused and think to themselves, like, oh, Tyler Locke, man, dude, easy lifestyle, bro. The guy rides his bike all day. He probably drinks coffee all day. Like, he just sits up in bed. And and it's like, um, no, there are some things that he probably has to do that he would rather not do, but you've got to take the good with the bad, right? And so hence the reason why I'm asking the question. So what would you say is your least favorite thing about the – being a pro bike racer thing oh the, the the hard winter training the getting through the long days day after day and being completely completely tired like where you're so tired you can't even sleep all like the hours and hours you have to put on the bike and the, also the, the the near the the close calls on the road like i i hate get, almost getting hit by a car actually getting hit by a car or seeing someone else down by a car um, the mentality of it, the, tr the hard training, uh, and the muscle tear, all that, all that is just so hard on the body. Um, but it's worth it when you get to, to hop on the start line and, and get to race the bike because it all pays off. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, 
Tyler, if you had to uh, some advice for those folks listening to this episode, like what would you give them? Oh, go until you throw up, keep it metal, and <laughs> and don't let anyone tell you how far you can take your bicycle riding. I you love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you? Yeah. So have you gone until you've thrown up? Many times this year. Man. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. And I guess on the other end of that, uh, one of the one of the questions that I had there that I didn't ask that you brought up, so I will ask is, and I guess we'll end on this one. I mean, you you've got on the tail end of that, you said don't let you know don't let anybody tell you that you can't, right? And so have you had that throughout your career when you were like, hey man, I'm gonna do this thing, and people were like, no, you're not, you know, you can't, you're whatever, too old, or you're not fast enough, or you know whatever. I mean, have you had that happen to you? Yes, almost almost every year at the beginning or, or some at some point in time, someone's going to tell you you can't and you just got to tell them or show them that you can. Yeah, I and that's it. how and that's how it works. You know, you, you, you can do all talk, but you got to walk as well. Yeah, well, and there's only one person that needs to believe in you. Right. And that is you. And so exactly. even and, it, and it's difficult. It's difficult because we have support systems and we're thankful for them. Right. Like you said, the host housing sponsors, teammates and all those kinds of things. But. You know, for whatever reason, sometimes you think you're an army of one, you know, there's just people that are backing out of your corner and they're not really with what you're doing. And, you know, at those points, it's just really difficult to do. But what you've got to do is you've got to say, hey, do I believe in myself? Do I believe that I can do this? And if the answer to that question is yes, and you keep marching to orders and doing the training and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll punch your way through to the other side. And then miraculously, sometimes all of a sudden everybody, oh, hey, yeah, we're back, um, you know, but uh, that that's another story for another day. So, uh, Tyler, man, always keeping it metal for sure. Uh, enjoy your uh, your socials. So I'm going to give you a chance to just let us know where we can follow your journey. Uh, I'm on uh, Tyler Locke Cycling on Instagram, and then you can find me at Tyler Locke on Facebook. Awesome. Tyler, man, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and uh, enjoy some uh, enjoy some much needed time off before you've got to uh, jump in the cage again in uh, what'll seem like just a few short months. Thank you. Awesome, appreciate you, Tyler. Alrighty. Alrighty.